Well, you're all in trouble this morning. As we began the offertory, David looked at me and whispered, you've got extra time this morning. (laughs) I'm just kidding. If you haven't figured out by now, I'm not one to uh, deviate from what's playing too much because I don't have much good to say other than what's found right here in this book. But we have been in a Sunday morning sermon series on growing together as followers of Jesus Christ, looking at Ephesians chapter 4 together. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we have um, seen a focus on discipleship, a focus on growing in our faith together as individuals and as a church. Being a Christian, a child of God, A follower of Christ is about much more than simply a formula to get to heaven. It is about knowing Jesus Christ. And as we get to know Christ, we have a desire to know Him more and to grow to be more like Him in our faith. And as we grow in that walk with Him, as we grow to become more like Jesus Christ, then our lives stand in contrast from the lives of of the rest of the world. As we get to know Christ, as we grow in our walk with Christ, then our lives look different than the rest of the world's. And we see a picture of that clearly in our passage this morning from Ephesians chapter 4. We see that the lives of those who know and follow Christ will contrast sharply with the lives of unbelievers. The lives of those that know and follow Christ will contrast sharply with the lives of unbelievers. Look with me now at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Or God's Electric Power Company. However you choose to remember it, there are a number of of ways I think that people remember where these short letters are found. But near the end of your Bible, in your New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Now as we read this passage and as we read verse 17, it ought to remind us of the way chapter 4 started. Because chapter 4 started in verse 1 where Paul, the, the author of this letter to the church at Ephesus, gave a very strong admonition to believers in the church there. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he spelled out a couple of specifics of what it looks like to live in light of that calling. looks like being humble and being gentle and bearing with one another in the church in love and, and being patient with one another. Remember those? 
And then in verses 4 through 16, Paul, this letter's author, deviated from the practical implications of living for Christ and talked more about the theological nature of being a child of God and being part of the church, the body of Christ. And we learned in, in the opening verses of chapter 4 that, that our position in Christ, our position or our status in Christ as followers of Christ, as Christians, should result in our unity in the church. And then we learned in the verses that follow that the one who has conquered all evil powers, namely Jesus, is the very same one who equips all believers with grace gifts to grow in unity and in maturity. And then last week in verses 11 through 16, we we learned that Jesus gave the ministry of the Word, or the ministry of Scripture, to equip the church to lovingly work together for growth. Now just a side note, those of you that were here last week, notice that I inserted to lovingly work together for growth back in there, dividing that infinitive right back up. Because you see, I had a little chat last Sunday after the morning service with Dr. David Llewellyn, the professor of English, and he informed me that in English it is grammatically acceptable, in fact perfectly acceptable to split infinitives up as opposed to in Latin. And that is good news for me. For someone like me who is not always good at coming up with a new and creative way of saying something. So all that to say, you will likely hear me split up many and infinitive in the days ahead. But back to Ephesians chapter 4. And so Paul starts Ephesians chapter 4 with a strong admonition to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now jump down to verse 17. So he digressed from these practical implications for living in verses 4 through 16, and now he comes back to them in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now when we read a biblical author say, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, then we better listen up because he or she is about to say something very important. And we learn here in verses 17 through 19 that followers of Jesus Christ must no longer live as aimless pagans. Followers of Christ must no longer live as aimless pagans. So Paul is writing this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Ephesus, comprised of mostly Gentile believers. And so he writes to these Gentiles... And he tells them to no longer live as the Gentiles do. That's sort of like telling an oak mountain eagle to no longer live as an oak mountain eagle. Or a Sanford bulldog to no longer live as a Sanford bulldog. Or an Alabamian to no longer live as an Alabamian. Does that make any sense? And on the surface, initially, not so much. But what Paul's doing here in verses 17 through 19 is he is distinguishing between ethnicity and practice, or between ethnicity and worldview. You see, in that day, Gentiles were known as pagans. 
Because the majority of Gentiles, non-Jews, worshipped pagan gods or false gods, meaning that they rejected the one true God. They were characterized by, by living as worldly people, not in a way that was honoring to the true God, the true God of Israel, the God of Scripture. And so when Paul tells them and writes to them to no longer live as Gentiles, he's not telling them, don't, don't be Gentiles anymore. That would be impossible. But he's telling them not to act and to think and to live in a way that is stereotypical of the way the Gentiles or the pagans live. And so to bring that point a little bit closer to home for us this morning, this might read for us, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Alabamian suburbanites do in the futility of their thinking. Because for those of us here that, that live in northern, or, excuse me, southern Jefferson or northern Shelby County, the people that are on our streets, the prevailing mentality of people on our streets and in our neighborhoods could be described as the same way that Paul describes the mentality of the Gentiles, darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God and indulging in all sorts of impurities with a continual lust for more. You see, most of us live in a county where a low percentage of people attend church regularly, but where a high percentage of people enjoy and regularly engage in pornography and other immoralities, and where the typical home is comprised of people who spend vast amounts of resources on themselves, but very little on others, much less for God. And so the word of God for us this morning, based off Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, would not be for us to no longer live or to no longer, excuse me, be Alabamian suburbanites, but to no longer be characterized by the typical mentality and practices of Alabamian suburbanites. You see, the picture here is of a pagan people who live an aimless life. A hopeless life. A life that, that is blown here and there by whatever the person currently desires. A life that is self-centered, that is prideful. Where the individual rules rather than God. And the result of that is a numbness or a callousness towards sin. A life that is separated from the life of God. That it is characterized by futile thinking, darkened understanding, engaging in all sorts of immorality with a continual lust for more. You see, as we live lives that, that are not centered around the person and the work and the requirements and the transformation of God, as we simply pursue what we desire, what we want, the life that is centered around ourselves. And ultimately, as we continue to engage in sin, we become desensitized to sin. And so that's the picture here. That's what, what Paul's getting at. He's describing a people who don't know the truth, thus they haven't been transformed by the truth, and now they are engaging in a lifestyle that is opposed to the truth. A lifestyle that that chases after pointless things. 
a lifestyle that could be described as lives of convenience and comfort filled with passionate intensity about things that don't count, as one pastor has put it. But before we get too hard-nosed and before we point the finger at those people that live that way, we must remember, even as followers of Christ, that we used to be characterized by those same activities. That we used to either be engaging in that sort of lifestyle or headed down a road that would have resulted in that sort of lifestyle. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-5. through five, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. The reality is that all people are either currently dead in their sins or at one time were dead in their sins before Jesus Christ saved them through His bloodshed on the cross. Followers of Christ must no longer live as aimless pagans. The lives of those who know and follow Christ will stand in sharp contrast to the lives of unbelievers in this world. And in the verses that follow, verses 20 through 24, we see a picture of what that salvation, of what that transformation now looks like in the lives of those who follow Jesus Christ. Look at verses 20 through 24 with me now. You, however, did not come to know Christ in that way. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In verses 20 through 24, we learn that learning Christ leads to a transformed life in Christ. Learning Christ leads to a transformed life in Christ. Now, some of you are questioning my English grammar once again, and I certainly don't blame you. We learn math. We learn geography. We learn science. But we don't learn a person. We learn about a person. But literally, verse 20 reads this way. In some translations, the New American Standard and the English Standard Version capture this and probably some others as well, but literally, verse 20 reads, but you, not so did you learn Christ. And so what's being communicated here is more than simply knowing about Christ or learning about Christ. And the way that we often say this today in the church is knowing Christ. So Paul is saying the same thing by learning Christ that we say by knowing Christ. And he's referring to to not just learning about Him, but to knowing Him on a personal level, on an intimate level. So do you know Christ? Have you learned 
Christ, not only learning about Him, but, but developing a relationship with Him, an ongoing relationship that continues to affect you and to change you and to transform you. Knowing Christ leads to a transformed life in Christ. For some, it's a drastic transformation, like it was for Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road when Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light, and he went from persecuting Christians to being a missionary, the greatest missionary in the life of the church. For others, it's much more gradual as you begin to to be transformed in and through Jesus Christ. But either way, knowing Christ or learning Christ transforms you. It changes you. There's no example of a genuine New Testament Christian that is not changed as a result of knowing Jesus Christ. The lives of those who know and follow Christ will contrast sharply with the lives of unbelievers in this world. So what does that transformation look like? And according to this passage, specifically verses 22 through 24, it looks like a change of clothes. Now, we've all been in a situation where we desperately needed to change clothes. Maybe it was after working in the yard. Maybe it was after messy games night right over here on this hill to my right and your left. Or maybe it was after a paint job. Or maybe it was after your football team embarrassingly lost and you're leaving the stadium and you wish that you had something else on. But I'll never forget a day when I was a teenager when I spent um, an afternoon up at some property that my dad owns in the sticks of Arkansas with my brother and my dad and my grandfather. And it had recently rained. And somehow we managed to get my dad's pickup truck stuck in a mud hole. And in typical redneck fashion... We had no way to get that truck out, so three of us stood behind the truck and pushed the truck while my grandfather tried to drive the truck loose. And I will never forget the amount of mud that that rear left tire slung on me from the top of my head down to the toe of my boot as we got that truck loose. But we have all been there. We have all been in a situation where we desperately needed a change of clothes. And what's being communicated here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, is that in Christ, we have been given something new that resembles a change of clothes. Look back at verses 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self or to take off your old self just like you would a dirty set of clothes. In verse 24, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The reality, ladies and gentlemen, is that when we come to know Christ, when we encounter Christ, when we trust in Christ for salvation, He transforms us. We don't leave the same. We leave as a new person that's given a new life in Jesus Christ, and that life will stand in stark contrast to the rest of the world. The lives of those who know and follow Christ will contrast sharply with the lives of unbelievers in this world. And the difference is 
an aimless life that is characterized by me-centeredness versus a gospel-transformed life. Because at one time, if you know Christ, you acknowledge that, that you were in need of a Savior because you had sin in your life. Sin that resulted in your being on a road of punishment and judgment and the wrath of God because you had sinned against a perfect and holy and righteous God. And you trusted in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the blood that he spilled on your behalf so that you could be saved in him because he had given the only perfect life, the only worthy sacrifice that could save you. And you recognized your need for Lord, for him to be your Lord. And you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, that he is master, not just in general of the universe, but he is, he is your personal Lord, Lord of your life. And believing that biblical truth changes you. You cannot come to grips with that truth and walk away the same. But the reality is, in this world that is still full of sin and characterized by sin, where we deal with sin and temptation to sin and the consequences of sin, that we still drift away from, from living a life that is worthy of our Creator. And the good news for us is that Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, takes up residence in us and continues to work to transform us into the image of Christ. But even so, we are called to participate in that process, that process of discipleship, of growing in our walk with the Lord. And so as believers, our task is to continue learning Christ on a daily basis. Are you learning Christ by spending time with Jesus Christ daily, listening to Him, talking to Him, worshiping Him, allowing Him and the things of Him to transform you and to shape you and to change you into His image. Have you taken the thoughts of your mind and, and allowing Christ to shape them? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and Prove what his will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The lives of those who know and follow Jesus Christ will contrast sharply with the lives of unbelievers. So does your life look different than the typical Alabamian suburbanite? Is there something different about you? Jesus said that, that we will be known our love, and that his true followers, his true disciples will be characterized by their obedience to his teachings, John chapter 8, verse 31. Does your life reveal that you know Christ, that you follow Christ, that you've been transformed by Christ? Has he given you a change of clothes? Have you trusted in him for salvation? I want to invite you this morning to respond to Jesus Christ today. Maybe you've realized from this particular passage or through God's work in your life that 
that you know a whole lot about Jesus Christ, but you don't personally know Jesus Christ. You've never fully given him your life. You've never fully trusted in him for salvation. And I urge you to to trust in him today for salvation, to cry out to Jesus for forgiveness of your sins and to acknowledge that he is Lord, that he is Savior, and that you want to live for him and to follow him today. Maybe you have responded by trusting in him for salvation, but you've realized that that you've been living in a way that looks a lot like the old self. That you've been living in a way that looks like you have a dirty set of clothes on and you want Christ to, to transform you and to draw you back to himself. And scripture says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Respond to Jesus Christ as he leads you today. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth found in it. I pray that you would continue to use it in the lives of of all of us here gathered this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, that you would transform us by the truths of your word. Lord, we acknowledge this morning that that we're prone to wonder from you, but, but that in Christ you've transformed us, you've given us a new life, and we want to live as faithful followers of you in light of that truth. So Lord, I ask that by your spirit, you would grant us the wisdom, that you would grant us the courage for the facing of today to be faithful followers of you, to live lives of obedience to you, to live lives that stand in contrast to the lives of those in this world. Lord, we thank you for salvation in Christ. May we not ever forget it. May you remind us of it daily. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.